Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? Oh, all the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, Lance Pugmire is here, senior boxing writer over at The Athletic, friend of this podcast, co-host of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. Back again. What's up, Lance? How you doing, Chris? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, or Happy Holidays as well. Same to you, man. Same to you. you. And we're uh, we're actually getting the rare, really good post-holiday fight. I mean, usually, as you know, this time of year, not, you know ripe ground for big events i mean fighters generally speaking do not want to train over the holidays so they push any fights into mid to late february but because of you know covid related issues uh we are having a a significant fight on january 2nd ryan garcia against luke campbell um that'll be down in dallas texas on DAZN. let's talk about that for a second because this is being portrayed as the toughest test of Ryan Garcia's career. And I think that's true. He's he's never fought anyone really even close to the level of Luke Campbell. Due respect to Romero Duno, Francisco Fonseca, they are not on Luke Campbell's level. That being said, I know there are some people in boxing I've talked to that said maybe we're all kind of overrating Luke Campbell a little bit. He has fought at the world level before. But he's never won at that level. Losses to uh, Yvonne Mendy. He did, did avenge that loss. Uh, Jorge Linares. And, of course, Vasily Lomachenko in a world championship uh, matchup just a year or so ago. So where do you stand on the difficulty of this matchup for Ryan Garcia, Lance? I think it's a difficult test when you consider Luke Campbell's pedigree. I mean, he does have uh, Olympic caliber experience because he's a gold medalist. Um, I was at the fight. I think you were there too when he fought Jorge Linares in Los Angeles and gave him all he could handle. I mean, a lot of people, when that fight went to the scorecards, expected Campbell to be named the winner. And, and look, let's be honest. I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of substance um, that, you know, he experienced the loss of his father right before that fight, made it through it, and uh, put on a heck of a show. Um, then, you know, against Lomachenko, at that time, Lomachenko is considered this uh, unbeatable fighter. Uh, prodigy, so to speak. And I think that what Luke Campbell did was he kind of revealed some of the uh, dents in Lomachenko's armor that uh, Tiafima Lopez was able to look at and maybe take advantage of. So Luke Campbell is definitely uh, a serious threat, no doubt about it. He is the most uh, uh, toughest test of Ryan Garcia's career. And how this is going to play out has a lot of intrigue because of the caliber of who Luke Campbell is. Yeah, before the pandemic you know, sort of shut the world down. We were on track for Garcia against Torrey Linares. Um, Campbell has effectively taken Linares' place as next man up for Ryan Garcia. Do you look at Campbell as being a tougher opponent than Linares? I mean, how would you handicap those two guys? It's interesting because you know that Linares has like a, a couple losses. He had that first round knockout loss in there, but he did kind of come back and redeem himself. And he has a victory over Campbell. But honestly, 
I believe that the Luke Campbell we're seeing right now is better than the Jorge Linares that we could expect to to be in the ring right now and how he would perform. So I think it's a I think it's a stiffer challenge. Um, you know, I know we're probably going to talk about it, but you know what um, Oscar De La Hoya, what Ryan Garcia and Eddie Reynoso are seeing in Luke Campbell some vulnerability. Um, certainly that's going to be in play on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, I guess. But, um, you know, this is a, a formidable test for for a, a younger Ryan Garcia, uh, a guy who has talked so much. And Ryan himself has said, like, you know, I want this this test of substance against a guy who has fought for a lightweight uh, title twice, and he's going to get it on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, the difference with Campbell and Lenars too, is that when Lenars loses, he always gets knocked out. And mm-hmm. Campbell, he's had those three losses. He's gone the distance each of those three times. So he's a tough guy that's really difficult, if not impossible at this point, uh, to actually stop. So that adds another wrinkle to to this game. Absolutely. Like like, a des- there, there's a desperation that there, right, Chris? I mean, mm-hmm. look, I mean, this guy has lost um, his two opportunities for the title. We know if he wins this fight, he's going to get a, ch- uh, a shot at Devin Haney. So if this slips away you know what becomes of luke campbell and i think that's all in his mind this is a guy this is a driven guy uh this is a guy who definitely has taken this sport sport seriously and he wants this victory badly yeah no question about it um so what what's your perception of ryan garcia you've been based in southern california a long time you've watched a lot of good fighters come out of these gyms um you know i i I mean ryan garcia like he's not the Instagram star, like he's not. He's an accomplished fighter. Like he was a 15-time amateur champion. He's fought like everybody in the amateur ranks. He's sparred with all these guys multiple times in the gym. So he's not just some kind of propped-up fighter that's only being put on TV because of his popularity. Do you look... How do you evaluate his talent? Because, you know, the more people I talk to, whether it's Joe Goosen or other fighters that have been in the gym with them... They think he's the real deal. Like, they Mm -hmm. think that talent is real. And working with Eddie Reynoso, I think, has unlocked some things within him. And, look, I give credit to his family. His father, like many, you know, Mm -hmm. fathers of great young athletes, was his trainer for most of his young career. Uh, But when his father kind of realized that they'd plateaued a little bit, to his credit, he went over with Eddie Reynoso, talked with them. They worked out a cooperative arrangement where Eddie's the head trainer, but Henry Garcia is on board as the number two. Uh, and I think that's brought even more out of Ryan Garcia. Where do you, you, again, you've seen a lot of guys, like how do you you view Garcia's talent? I think it's what's really interesting about Ryan Garcia is that he's involved in a lot of things. I mean, like you, you mentioned the social media, uh, you mentioned like some of the, or, or at least some of the TMZ episodes that he's been involved in, um, you know, the, the baby mama drama that he's involved in. And all of it, we say like, oh, who you among know, us, Lance, hasn't had baby mama drama. It I mean, happens. Come on. It who, happens. Who among You're us absolutely us? right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we as sports writers, maybe we haven't, but you know, we have, uh, yeah. um, you know, I think the, the thing is, is that he walks this high wire of everything going on. And a lot of us are, a lot of the outsiders who are looking at Ryan Garcia's career are saying like, oh, he's going to be distracted by any, any one of these things. But the truth is, is that I think Ryan Garcia, when he's in the gym, he's paying attention to boxing. When he's in the presence of Eddie Reynoso, he's soaking up everything that he can possibly hear from this man. Um, same thing when he's, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with his stablemate Canelo Alvarez. They have built up a, a great friendship that certainly Ryan has uh, capitalized upon and listened to um, to become a better fighter. And you're absolutely right. I can remember, uh, Chris, you know, being out here in Southern California, there were some, I would say, peers of Ryan Garcia who mentioned those flaws in his game. I can think of a conversation I had with, with uh, Daniel Franco, Franco out here and his father, uh, Al, who trains him. And they would say, like, I don't think Ryan's going to make it. But like you said, he looked, he looked, he took an honest assessment of where he was. He joined forces with Eddie Reynoso to make himself a better fighter. And again, I see with, uh, with this fight against Campbell, he is, uh, he is aware of what he needs to do to win this fight. And I think you will see a, a completely prepared Ryan Garcia for this stiffest uh, test of his career. Yeah, and you know, one thing I'm eager to learn about Garcia is, you know, what happens after the first round. Like he's he's four and zero in his four fights with Eddie Reynoso, but the last two, the two toughest tests, yeah. have ended after or less than one round apiece. So, uh, look, Luke Campbell may get stopped. 
I'd be shocked if he got stopped in the first round. Like he's just too good to get stopped in that fashion. But you know, is Ryan Garcia's power, his skill, are they good enough to to succeed when you get into round six, seven, eight? Now he has won decisions before, going the distance ten rounds uh, previously in his career, so it's not unfamiliar territory. But he's never gone up against a fighter like this, a guy with the kind of skill set this guy has and the kind of problems he can pose as a southpaw. So I think we're gonna get. I, again, I don't want to overrate Luke Campbell as being on the same level as some of the number one guys or two guys at 135 pounds, but we're going to learn, I think, an awful lot about Ryan Garcia after this fight. Absolutely, Chris, because I don't think this fight is all about Ryan Garcia's power. I think it is going to be about his skill. And let's be honest, I mean, I can think back to a, a few years ago when I saw Ryan uh, fight and the, the opponent like his name slips my mind because he he is so anonymous but he had a hell of a time with this kid and he was over reliant on that on that big punch and you know you can't do that you can't say like you know i'm gonna knock this guy out no matter who it is because if you do the next thing you know you're like four five six rounds into the fight and you're trailing on the scorecards and where are you so look he knows this Eddie Reynoso knows this. That's why they've been working so hard in this gym. And, I, you know, look, Ryan is aware of all of these things that are around him. Um, the, the social media popularity, the ability to, you know, be some kind of like uh, crossover star and perhaps, you know, be in acting and all that stuff. So he understands the importance of this fight and he knows where it's going to get him, which is a, you know, hopefully a title shot against Devin Haney. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Devin Haney stuff cracks me up. It's like, you know, the WBC saying, like, if Ryan wins, he gets a shot at Devin Haney. Like, Devin Haney wouldn't take that fight right now. I mean, Ryan's popularity backstops him and, you know, puts him above any belt, at least among guys in and around, um, you know, that category. But you mentioned the crossover appeal, and let's talk about that for a second. Because, look, it's anecdotal, but, you know, in the Northeast area, I work out at boxing gyms, and... Some of the guys I work out with talk about how their kids who are teenagers want to watch Ryan Garcia. Like they first probably saw him on Instagram and then gravitated towards him because his style is so fan friendly. He is, and again, it is anecdotal, but he is bringing out, I think, a legitimate new fan base. These are young boxing fans that are tuning in to watch him, that are following him. And you and I both know these are the fans that boxing has struggled mightily at times to attract on a permanent basis. What would a successful Ryan Garcia mean to boxing in your mind? I mean, if he's able to not only beat Luke Campbell, but let's say in 2021, he beats Devin Haney and Tank Davis, two of the top oh. guys in the 135-pound division. It's a lot to ask, but you know we know Ryan is, is clamoring for that Tank Davis fight, and Devin Haney is clamoring for the Ryan Garcia fight, and I think both those fights... At least the Haney fight theoretically could happen uh, in the first half of 2021. But what would that mean for boxing? Like, I don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but I look at him, Lance, as being one of, if not, you know, one of the rare crossover type of stars. Maybe the biggest crossovers, but having the biggest crossover potential since Oscar De La Hoya, when De La Hoya was always on the talk shows, always yeah. doing you kind of mainstream type of things. It's not disrespectful to to Floyd or Manny. They just weren't those types. I mean, Manny in part because the English barrier, he did the Jimmy Kimmel stuff every so often, but not, not on a regular basis. And Floyd... I mean, Floyd made a lot of money being the villain, right? Like he was, right. you know, people watched him to see him lose, not necessarily to see him win. What would a successful Ryan Garcia mean for the sport? Yeah, I mean, it'd be huge for, you know, not just the fact that he has this existing audience that is rising by the day, Chris, and it's obviously going to build based on what he does Saturday night. But like you said, I mean, there's probably not a more exciting division when you look at the future of the division than lightweight. When you when you factor in the names of Javante Davis and Devin Haney and even Tiafima Lopez be, being around there, yes, you know, these fights may ultimately take place at 140, but this is like... This is like a decade's worth of uh, action to come. And Ryan Garcia, uh, with his existing popularity, has basically the opportunity to be the torchbearer and the, the guy who is, is driving the most uh, pay-per-view buys or subscriptions or whatever you know it takes, uh, you know, clicks on our stories because of that popularity. You're absolutely right. I mean, 
Um, I can, I've been approached by friends who had daughters, you know, Hey, are, are you going to a gym to see, uh, Ryan Garcia? Can we tag along with you? I've got friends who have uh, young kids. When is that kid, uh, Garcia fighting again? Because they've seen him out here, uh, in Indio, California. And that buzz around this kid and his awareness of, of what drives popularity and the charisma that he shows is, I mean, the future is limitless for this guy. He just needs to keep winning um, these kind of fights. And obviously, it starts with uh, Luke Campbell. I think Ryan Garcia is the most important fighter this century for boxing. Wow. I, I really do. Because for all the reasons you articulated, and it, it goes back, it, it, it sort of goes back to that young fan base. Like, the NBA sport that I cover as well, it's, it's claim to fame and, and hangs its hat on the fact that it has the youngest demographics of the four major sports. Everybody wants to tap into those young demographics, whether it's advertisers or, or whatever, people that are buying, uh, buying the product. Ryan Garcia can bring those in in ways that no fighter today can do. Everyone, I, look, I, I respect all those young guys from Tank who's, who's tapping into that urban market that oh, Floyd sure. successfully yeah. tapped into. And look, Devin Haney's trying to grow his brand. Teofimo is already the most established 135. But Ryan is the guys. guy. Yeah. Ryan mm -hmm. is the guy to me, Lance, that you know before every major fight, you're going to have maybe Jimmy Fallon want to have him on or you know Kimmel and all the talk show guys yeah. want to have him on. That because of his, you know, Canelo could have been that guy, but because he doesn't speak English or chooses not to speak English as regularly as, as, as others, um, it made, made it more difficult for him to sort of jump into, uh, into that role. Ryan Garcia can jump into that role. And if he can, if he can be successful and if he can continue to grow that brand in the right way, he is going to have a massive following. He is going to, I think, transform boxing in ways that no other fighter can. No, Floyd transformed boxing in a way when he brought the urban market in, in, in ways that no fighter had done it in decades. Yeah. I think Ryan Garcia can do that with almost a different families, whether it's women or, or your young, young other kids in a different demographic, Mexican kids, things like that. I, I think he can do that in that same type of way. And man, that would just be huge for boxing. There's so many flaws with the sport if he can bring in, if he can harness the power of his social media and his highlight reel type of skill in the ring, it's gonna. I think it's going to change boxing in ways that we haven't seen in a long time. You got to root for it from that standpoint, Chris. You're absolutely right. And, and I think the, the real mystery of this fight is how, you know, look, like you mentioned those two first round knockouts. We don't know all the advancements that he's made in his game other than, you know, the significant power that he's made under Eddie Reynoso. And that's what's truly going to be revealed on Saturday. And that is, is the most exciting thing, in my opinion, about the fight. Because I'm expecting Ryan to win the fight, honestly. I mm. think that he'll do enough um, to find a way to ha have his uh, arm race at the end of the fight. But all the, all the strides that he has made under Eddie Reynoso, I mean, I was talking about this the other day in a story that I wrote. I can remember going out to the gym Eddie Reynoso when I was visiting Canelo one time, probably three, four years ago. And Eddie Reynoso pulled out this big box, thick boxing book that he had, basically like how to box. And he said, he told me, he said, every night I go home and I read this book and I'm going to make it from cover to cover. And when you see the, the strides that Canelo Alvarez has made, you're seeing all of those lessons that have been passed along from Eddie Reynoso to Canelo Alvarez. Now that's going into the, to the mind of Ryan Garcia. And when you consider everything that you just talked about with, you know, the, the popularity outside the ring, if he has the substance inside the ring, then we're talking about the potential of, of him being someone just like his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, where you do have these women clamoring uh, to watch him. You have some of these jealous boyfriends who are like, Oh, this guy's not that good. They're going to be watching too, hoping that he will lose. So he'll, hmm. he'll have that Floyd factor going for him. And then you'll have the rest of us with boxing as boxing purists who want to see this guy fight and see just how skilled he is. So with all of those things kind of like ringing around as this fight is, is set to begin, it's just, it's just so interesting. It's almost like a perfect uh, fight to start a new year, especially as we move out of 2020 on the 2021 and the excitement that awaits us there. Now, I think you do have to watch the outside stuff 
with Ryan Garcia in the same way you had to watch it with Oscar and with so many others over their careers. I, I talked yeah. to Eddie Reynoso about this last month, and you know, one thing he said was like one of the few things that could stop Ryan is Ryan. Like, you know, whether it's the you know too much of a commitment to the social media stuff or the lifestyle stuff or the brand building stuff, you've got to make sure that uh, it, you can be as committed as you want to that as long as it doesn't impact what you do with your training and your focus and how you perform in the ring. So that's that's certainly something that bears watching moving forward. But for right now, it's full steam ahead on Luke Campbell, and I'm looking forward uh, let's, to that fight. And let's be honest, Chris. I mean, as reporters, these these are stories about Ryan Garcia, right? That's like a constant story. Is he too distracted? We had those same things kind of happen mm-hmm. with Manny Pacquiao uh, several years ago. You know, like all these things that are going on on outside the ring are compelling uh, are compelling things, and it's worth reporting. It it, just, it puts his name out there even, you know, above and beyond what his uh, accomplishments in the ring are. Yeah, and I mean, look, you, you, at least I do, I cringe sometimes at being overly critical about what a 21 or a 22-year-old is doing with their life. Like, it's like... Remember what we were doing. uh Uh-huh, yeah. I was pretty sure I got in my last bar fight at 21 and was still throwing up in garbage cans at 22. Like, those, these are all, like, I mean, like, these are, I mean, we've been past 22 at that point with that that part of the game. But, like, it's, you know... You can't fault a guy, a young man, for taking advantage of a celebrity with, you know, with, whether it's women or lifestyle or brand, whatever, brand building, things like that. Uh, you, you've earned it. You've earned those latitudes. But it is important to be focused on boxing to, to be able to succeed at that level. Because you can be as popular as you want, but if you start getting beat, and we saw that to a degree with Adrian Broner, you lose a lot of the, uh, the steam around you. Um, all right, let's talk about Gennady Golovkin for a second here. Mm. Uh, we kind of have a pretty good feeling about which way Canelo Alvarez is going to go, right? It just seems like he's trending towards this two-fight deal with Eddie Hearn. That'll see him fight his mandatory against Yildirim in February and then move on to face Billy Joe Saunders for Saunders' 168-pound title in May of uh, next year. That leaves a six-month window for Gennady Golovkin to figure out what he's going to do. He looked impressive. At least he had an impressive knockout against Camille Zarameta. And now we're hearing some talk about him versus Jaime Munguia. And Mm. I'm kind of interested in that fight. Fernando Beltran Mm. was quoted on the record as saying, and he's the promoter, co-promoter for Munguia, saying we're talking about that fight. We're looking to make that fight. Uh, I'm interested a little bit that Munguia's team thinks they're ready for that. Maybe they see something in Golovkin. Maybe they see something in Munguia. I'm not so sure. But... I'm kind of on board with that, Lance. Like, it's it's a fight for Golovkin that certainly has its dangers, but it's not as dangerous as, say, Demetrius Andrade or Jamal Charlo or some of the other top guys at 160 pounds. And when I say that, I mean it still protects the fight that DAZN wants to make, that Golovkin wants, and that's Golovkin-Canelo 3 in September of uh, 2021. Uh, what do you think of Munguia versus, Can- uh, versus Golovkin in the first half of next year? Oh, I'd love to see it. I mean, honestly, for Jaime Munguia, I view it as almost like a, a kind of a nothing to lose type endeavor. I mean, he would uh, get good money out of it. He uh, would be taking on the, you know, this veteran in Golovkin who is fighting for the right to uh, fight Canelo. And if Munguia can win, he doesn't he jump into position maybe to get a Canelo fight? I mean, can you imagine that? These two Mexicans going at it uh, would be very interesting. So if he loses, it's like, hey, you know, I took on the longest reigning uh, middleweight champion uh, of all time and I lost, so be it. And he, he can go back to the drawing board with Eric Morales and, and, and make himself a better fighter. But, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a perfect opportunity for Golovkin. You know, I don't know what you thought, Chris. I mean, I thought that he did look like he was a little bit slower in this last fight. And I don't know if it's just like, maybe having covered more Golovkin fights uh, or so many of them over my time, but it looked like he was more muscular a little bit. Like he was just kind of like, you know, saying like, you know what, I'm going to be able to knock out whoever I fight and I have enough uh, skills in my boxing tool belt to beat down any of these uh, lesser experienced guys. I mean, he dominated that fight against Sarameta and I believe that he would look at someone the age of Jaime Munguia and say, there's no way that you're going to be able to uh, penetrate my defense and to be able to match my power. And, you know, that third fight with with Canelo would would still be looming, as you say, uh, probably in the late fall, correct? Yeah, probably September of 2021. Yeah. And if you're Golovkin, you can you know kind of say, look, I beat up one popular Mexican. I'm going to beat up another one. Like, there's a lot of, like, little storylines you can kind of throw 
into all that. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of Golovkin Zarameta. Like, I went into that fight with zero expectations. Like, having no belief whatsoever that Zarameta could do anything to uh, bother Gennady Golovkin. And he didn't. So it's like, right. you know, and then, then you start nitpicking Golovkin's performance. I don't know. I, I thought maybe he was carrying him for a few rounds. I mean, he'd been off for like 14 months. I don't know if you wanted to shake the rust off in a fight like that. Um, so I, I, I take that into account when I'm assessing Golovkin's performance. It, it just, it didn't make me feel like he's old. It didn't make me feel like he's better either. So right, it's exactly. sort of one of those like, all right, it happened. He accomplished mm-hmm. what he needed to accomplish, just dropping this guy, what, four times on his way uh, to a stoppage victory. It was what it was. But I think Munguia Golovkin is just really interesting. I mean, Munguia, like, the guy has defensive issues at 154. He goes out and hires Eric Morales as his trainer. I love it. Like, okay, like, here we go. Like, Morales is going to just lead with your chin. Like, just throw bigger punches. Bring it. Throw throw bigger punches. Like, that cracks me up a little bit. But I think you're right. There's no downside. I mean, he's not going to get a big fight at... 160. Well, I mean, he could get big fights at 160. He could fight Andrade, but I mean, nobody wants to fight Andrade at this point, despite the fact that he has a title around his waist. And, and look, Andrade, you could look bad against. You're not going to make the kind of money you'd make against Golovkin. I think it's it's a no-brainer to me for Golden Boy to to and, and Fernando Beltran to make that fight. If he loses, you kind of rebuild a little bit. You're going to get two, three, four fights, build yourself back up at 160. He's talked about going to 168. Like he might mm-hmm. move up another weight class and try his hand out there. This seems like the perfect time to try to take out a guy like Gennady Golovkin. And as you've said, if he wins, massive springboard. I'm not sure he'd get Canelo in the next fight, but yeah. early 2022, oh, oh yeah, what what a huge showdown that would be in Mexico between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of always been in Jaime Munguia's mind. I can remember talking to him in the last, probably about a year ago, and he was mentioning Canelo. So this is where these guys want to be. And um, for Golovkin, I guess, you know, I guess it's a debate. I mean, can you see him at all um, not running or dodging that fight, but maybe just deciding to take a lesser touch um, instead of Munguia? Uh, You know, I think Golovkin can win the fight, and I think he should take that fight for all of these reasons that we've discussed, that it's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. It'll definitely sort of, you know, confirm where Golovkin is, um, you know, after another birthday in April. And, you know, it's going to be more revealing than the Zarameta fight was. So, you know, for from that standpoint, you, look, we know, I don't care what Gennady Golovkin says, you know that he wants that third fight against uh, yep. Canelo Alvarez as bad as he want, wants anything in his life. And to me... He beats Jaime Munguia. That's a great opportunity to say, bring it. Yeah, I, I also think DeZone is done with softer touches for Gennady Golovkin. I think the amount of money they're paying for Golovkin to fight, you got Steve Rolls. Derevinchenko yeah. was a good fight, but it wasn't expected to be a good fight, which is more important than it being a good fight. And then you got your tune-up against Aramedi. You have to fight somebody real and... Uh, the most real at this point is probably Jaime Munguia. Let me finish with this, Lance. You guys over at The Athletic named Tiafima Lopez your fighter of the year. Uh, haven't done it over at SI yet, but of course okay. Lopez is very much uh, in the mix uh, for that title. What what separated Lopez in your mind? I mean, it's such a difficult year where most of the top guys fought only once. And really, it, it kind of comes down to two guys, right? It's Tiafima Lopez and it's Tyson Fury, who... Had the big upset, I don't even, I don't even call it an upset, but had the big stoppage at yeah. the start of the year. What separated Lopez for you as fighter of the year? More than anything, Chris, it was kind of like a, it, it kind of stemmed from a hunch when, when someone asked me, who is fighter of the year, Lopez or Fury? And I just said Lopez because what struck me was going into that fight against uh, uh, Lomachenko, not a lot of people thought that Tia Fimo was going to be able to win that fight. I actually picked him, but like if you put a gun to my head that I truly, truly believe it, you know, it was, it was tough because we had so much respect for Lomachenko and the fact that he went in there and backed up his father's words and showed not just that knockout power that we're talking about right now with Ryan Garcia, but a more complete overall uh, performance. I just thought that it was, it was a more complete performance against a better fighter and Tyson Fury's victory over Deontay Wilder, even though it was Wilder's uh, first loss, I feel that, you know, Tyson Fury, you know, his, his boxing was supreme and he, he was fighting a, a, an opponent 
who wasn't as skilled as, as Lomachenko was. The other thing that I considered, and maybe this isn't right or not, but again, like we said before, I just feel like what this does for the future of boxing over the, the course of this entire decade is so significant. I mean, Tiafima Lopez at age 23 is really going to be a worldwide star with that personality that we all know and the talent that we saw revealed in the Lomachenko fight. I just felt overall, you know, he's our fighter of the year because this guy is carrying with him not just, you know, a unified uh, or the standing as a unified lightweight champion, but also in a way, the future of the sport. I mean, he's going to be one of the significant faces of the sport moving forward. And I don't know that boxing could be in better hands than, than it would can be by putting itself on the shoulders of Tiafimo. Yeah, one thing I like about Tiafimo is that he bet on himself mm-hmm. in this fight. And, you know, now he's in line to make five, ten million dollars, whatever it may be, down the line. But he bet on himself in doing that, taking about one and a half million bucks to fight Lomachenko. And you don't see a lot of guys doing that. I mean, most guys won't take a fight of that difficulty unless they're being compensated or overcompensated for that fight. He was said, oh, look, I'll take market value or below to make this fight happen, knowing what comes of it after the fact. So th- that to me was was impressive. And I hope that's a blueprint for other fighters. Look, everybody should, should be entitled to make as much money as they possibly can. But... Sometimes you have to take some risks in this sport, and Teofimo did, and now he's going to reap the rewards in 2021. Yeah, hopefully it does uh, set the example that other guys can follow because we know that uh, the sport has been hamstrung <laughs> by the problems of you know um, not having cross-promoted fights or some of these other people retreating. I mean, I just had a conversation with uh, uh, Lou DiBella who was saying that you know while the pandemic did give us a moment like Tiafimo beating Vasily Lomachenko, it also gave us moments where guys were kind of like dodging each other and kind of uh, basking in the in their millions and their in the cars that they drive. And you know Tiafimo, Canelo, a lot of these guys are sort of setting the standard of uh, you know what boxers should be thinking and the types of fights that they should be taking um, to really make themselves not just a champion but someone who can connect with the masses, uh, you know, like Tiafimo is often, often running on. Let me ask you real quick, what do you think of the future of Tank Davis? Because he's the one guy that you don't hear saying, I want this fight against, you know, Teofimo. I want this fight against Ryan Garcia. You still hear a lot of that same Floyd rhetoric about all roads lead to us and, right. you know, we'll, we're our own boss. And I mean, that's fine, whatever, but it's a little exhausting at times to kind of deal with that on a regular basis. I mean, he's 26 years old, Gervonta. I mean, he's mm-hmm. in entering the prime years of his career. Do you see a fight with, say, Teofimo happening in 2021? Because Teofimo, regardless of what you think of the WBC belt situation, he is the number one guy at 135. You can call him the undisputed champion. He's willing to take that fight. He's willing to, to do it. Uh, how likely is it we see Gervonta Davis in a major fight in 2021? I think we could see him in a major fight, but I don't think it'll be against Tiafima Lopez. I would be I would be more apt to say that it would happen against Ryan Garcia uh, later in the year, which is a fight, you know, obviously if Ryan wins on Saturday, I would love to see. But look, you know, I mean, these guys, this is kind of like the formula and the script that we saw all these years with Mayweather. The fight that you immediately want to see is not the fight you're going to see. It's going to be kind of like set aside. They're going to kind of uh, downplay the, the quality of the opponent that we all know is ready and waiting for for him. So, you know, Javante Davis, if he wants to take it upon himself and say, look, I want to be a different guy than Floyd. Um, I want these fights right now. I mean, there's no reason why he can't say that based on what he did against Leo Santa Cruz. So I, I hope that he does that. I'm not that. sure, though, Lance. Like, I'm not sure but, he can do that. Like, you know, Floyd, Floyd did that because there was Gennaro Hernandez and there was Chico Corrales and there was a number of fights that led up to the De La Hoya fight um, that established him as a top pound for pound ish type of guy. Like, I don't know if you can do that if you're, you know, I don't know if you can stake that claim if you're Javante because you beat Jose Pedraza and a blown up Leo Santa Cruz at 130. Like, I just, he, he doesn't have anywhere near the resume that Floyd had early in his career. That's a, that's a true point, but I think that the resumes, I mean, Tiafimo obviously beating Lomachenko, he's got one, but the resumes of these other guys is, are kind of thin as well. Yeah. So it's an opportunity for Gervonta. Look, I mean, I, I mean, I always look at this as, as believing that none of these guys would, would find their careers over 
by any one of these fights. So why wouldn't you want to throw yourself into this entertaining round robin of fights with all of these uh, you know, fighters involved. And if that is done, I mean, what an entertaining series that we will have for years to come. And I think that's the ultimate hope. That's why I know I have so much excitement about these guys that are around 135. And I think a lot of the fans have that expectation for, look, don't give us, you know, some uh, uh, cheap excuse for an opponent. We want to see you against in there against one of these guys. And if you're not doing so, then you're going to be called out as, a, you know, um, doing the the old uh, boxing fair of of you know waiting for things to marinate. I love Teofimo at the Canelo fight, screaming at Eddie Hearn to quote make a bid, talking about you know putting in an, a, an offer for Devin Haney to fight him at some point. So he he'll take that fight. I think Teofimo will take any fight. You know he wants his money, but I think he'll take any fight that's uh, that's put in front of him. Uh, Lance, always great to catch up with you, man. Keep up the great work. Over at The Athletic, check out the Pug and Cop Boxing Show every week as well. I'm sure I'll be seeing you real soon, man, down and out one of the fights. Take care, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ryan Garcia is here, 135-pound contender, going to take the next step towards his championship goals. On Saturday, we takes on Luke Campbell live on DAZN. It's funny, Ryan, as I kind of wrote that question out, I, I'm sort of wondering, what matters to you? Winning championships or being in the big fights? Uh, I think what matters most to me is inspiring people and making sure that I take on uh, the best fights for the people and to bring excitement back to boxing and make sure that boxing will continue to uh, evolve. And I know that I'm not about to let all these celebrity matches take on take uh, take control of this. I I have something to do about that. So me and Javante and all the other big fights that are out there, me versus Luke Campbell is a huge fight. Uh, I think that's the most important thing to me. Belts uh, 
bouts are just pretty things to put in uh, a trophy room. You know, you, you mentioned the, the celebrity stuff. What do you think of that? I mean, you've been friends with, you know, some of these YouTube guys over the yeah. years as well. I'm not mad at it. Um, I'm not mad at it, but I understand that I understand that us as boxers, uh, we need to do something to make sure that our placement in this whole uh, entertainment is still very well known as we are the serious fights and we will put on these mega events, not just celebrities, because we worked our whole life for this. So we need to uh, do something about it. I'm happy that they're making a lot of money. I never mad at anybody's success, but what I do know is we need to do something about it. And if uh, all these other fighters are with it, I'm with it as well. So I'm not trying to marinate because I can marinate it as quick as some sizzle steak, the way I post and the way I, <laughs> you know, promoted myself. So I'm 100% excited to give the people the big fights and I want to do that. And that's what my plan is. <laughs> You think all the, you know, a lot of other fighters like you talk the talk about wanting those big fights. Do you think they want them as much as you do? I don't think they're in as good a position to do it as me, but um, but I think that we're all as fighters, we do. We do want to fight, but I don't know. I can't really speak on other people because I don't know what's really in their heart. But what I do know is myself, and I know that I would do anything to make a fight happen. I did anything in my my anything in my control to make this fight happen. And I've already committed and I want to do all the big fights. So I'm going to commit to Javante Davis next and see where it goes from there. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's why I bring up the belts. I mean, the WBC makes this all about kind of Ryan gets the right to fight Devin Haney next. I mean, give me a break. Like, you know, you could yeah. fight Devin Haney if you wanted to fight Devin Haney, you are in a position of power. And if you win this fight, it feels like you will be, if not, the top power broker, one of the top power brokers in and around that weight class. Yeah, I mean, I think I have the potential with the type of performance if I put on the way I know I can. I think I have the, the chance to probably be the most powerful person, you know, uh, from upside and current value. So uh, it's all part of what I do. And I know I put in the work to do it uh, and, you know, We'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, before the pandemic hit, you were scheduled to fight Jorge Linares, at least penciled in to fight him over the summer. Now it's Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell was on your hit list anyway. You wanted to fight Luke Campbell at some point. But how do you feel about Luke being first and not having Linares as the first one? I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you can't be mad at, at change. Uh, I mean, things changed up a little bit. But in this year, you got to expect everything. I mean, I didn't really expect me to fight Luke first, but I'm actually happy it happened. So uh, I, I know I've improved a lot. And uh, I was ready for Luke probably two fights ago. So uh, this is just all part of my plan. And I think that uh, with the statement here, like I said, I could probably do what I'm saying. And I'm excited for that. But first comes first is Luke Campbell. It's your fifth fight now with Eddie Reynoso working your corner. We've seen some spectacular performances from you, including the last two first-round knockouts. What's the difference between you before Eddie Reynoso joined your camp with your father and to where you are now? It's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, I think the biggest, the biggest thing would have to be the moment I, I took a look at what Canelo and – and uh, and what if I dedicated myself 100% to work as hard as I can every single day, what that could bring out of me. Because I'm naturally a very talented fighter where I could land shots whenever I want. I could hit explosive shots whenever I want. But the moment I started working hard, like like a legend, like a canal, and I've never seen what that looks like because I've never been around it. But once I learned it and I got a grasp of it, I'm the type of person, once I get a hold of it, I won't let it go. I'll push it to the limits because I want to be the best. So the moment they gave me a glimpse of it, I never let it go. And now I'm at such a high level that, like I said, Luke Campbell, man, it, it sucks it had to be you. You know, you've talked about winning respect in a fight like this, getting your respect in a fight like this. It's interesting, like 
because of the Instagram stuff, I can see how people on the outside might say something about you. But every time I talk to fighters about you, Ryan, like you've got a lot of respect among the boxing community because you fought guys in the amateurs. Like it's not like you were not facing all these guys or even in sparring sessions you were going up against. Them. Like guys in and around your age know exactly who you are. Exactly. And um, I think it's all about perspective. Uh, people from the outside have only see a glimpse of me. And I think the people that are a little closer to, to me see something else <laughs> because, you know, you can't see without a magnifying glass, you know, how good somebody really is. So uh, I think it's just to prove now, to prove to the people that are seen from an outside view of how, how great I really am. And I think that the more time that uh, time goes by, I think I'll get more respect and more respect. But I, I really don't really care about that. What I care about is inspiring the people that are willing to be inspired. And I want to inspire the world. And because I, I think that if you look at me, I wouldn't say I'm the most naturally gifted. I wouldn't say I'm the most naturally anything. But I, what I will say is when you grasp something and you learn and you take it and push your gifts that you are blessed with to a certain, to the limit, great things will happen. And I think I want to inspire people that way. Joe Goosen might disagree about your natural gifts. I still cling to those comments that he made, which were strong. Yeah, but, but look at when you're the person with them, you don't really think, you know what I mean? Kind of, it's kind of, if you think that way, you're kind of just doing what you do, but you know you can do better. But people are thinking that you're like, you know, this next level type of person, which they do make me believe sometimes. But I always hold on to that thing I learned at Canelo's camp is like, don't matter. It don't matter. And Canal even told me, imagine the best fighter in the world pulls you to the side and says, you're probably the most talented fighter I've ever naturally seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, what? Like, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm just Ryan. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like this regular guy, you know? And I, and I just taken my gifts to where I could take them. But man, it's a blessing. And I just hope that I could, prove myself right and prove a lot of other people that believe in me right and I know I put in the work to do it so I'm that's why I'm so confident I put in everything I can you talked a couple of times here about inspiring people and, and giving them something like that and you tweeted on Thursday and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit but you know for everybody that's had a tough 2020 you know 2021 will be better for you what's 2020 been like I mean it's it's been difficult on a lot of levels for a lot of different people but for you personally how has it been challenging it's been challenging every way possible. And I've seen a lot of things this year that are hurt. It hurts, you know, it's pain, pain. Uh, loss of family members, loss of, loss of friends, loss of loved ones, uh, you know, anxiety, depression. So much things I went through this year because I love boxing with all my heart. And of course it had to be paused and I'm not, I don't have a problem with it being paused, but that pain and that struggle we all had to go through this year, everybody in the world. I just want them and myself to know that, you know, we're, we made it. We made it in 2021 and things are going to be better and we're going to come back stronger from this. And, you know, this is where we move forward. And I hopefully that we make the world a, a better place moving on. I hope this opens all of our eyes to be kinder to one another and, to give it your all and everything because you never know when uh, tomorrow might hit you and it's not promised. So, you know, that's what I just want to tell everybody. I hope people understand it. You had to have a chance, you know, to start the year off with, with something really impressive. I, I think one of the legitimate questions and not saying you can't do it, but a legitimate question is, does that power exist in round six, seven, eight, nine? Uh, how does that stamina hold up? Because it's been a while since we've seen you fight into those later rounds. How confident are you that everything you've done in the first first round <laughs> recently is going to be there if this fight goes in the later rounds? It's scary. It's scary because I get better throughout the rounds. <laughs> like my current self, it's actually I start, you know, gaining more control. I'm just catching these guys. And it's been a mystery. It's been it's continuing to be a mystery. And that's just how the cards are played out. I mean, I've been showing Royal Flushes two times in a row. Can I do it three times? We'll see. Uh, but just know that 
I know myself that I can. Uh, to the everybody else, we haven't got to see it. So, I mean, I can't answer that for you. I guess Luke has to try to make that happen. And that's what he's here for, to try to make that happen. You did seem, listen like to you Manny at the press Pacquiao, But like Manny Pacquiao said, if you work hard, the fight's easy. Mm-hmm. And thank God I worked hard. Mm-hmm. And listening to you, Ryan, at the press conference today, like you, you're aware that, you know, you, lock, you knock Luke Campbell down, you've got to, he's going to get back up potentially and keep moving. So it seems like you have the right attitude about Luke. Of course. Um, like I said, you can't be dumb and you can't be ignorant. I'm not, I'm, I'm confident and a little bit, you know, I got that little cockiness to me, <laughs> but I will never lie to myself. You know, I understand that Luke has been dropped. Like I've seen it. He's been dropped, but he's gotten up. But there's one thing I know. He hasn't been dropped by me. <laughs> you guys have let him off the hook a couple of times. I see a lot of the times, I'm not going to give too much of my game plan, but they do let him off the hook. Uh, if I get him hurt, I won't let him off the hook. <laughs> last, last question for you. Uh, any parting advice from Canelo before you came down to Texas? He just says, I'm ready. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's more excited than me. <laughs> he is going crazy. Uh, but uh, I think he just wants to see me succeed, and I'm just blessed to have him gonna walk with me by my side come fight night and uh we're gonna do the damn thing he did his thing and now it's my turn to do my thing is he gonna walk with you to the ring it was supposed to be a surprise but yes (laughs) (laughs) see cats out of the bag man and you you don't have to search up like the fbi right there you made me finish real quick Well, either way, whether he's there or not, looking forward to a big night on Saturday. Ryan, always good to talk to you, man. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you, man. Have a good one. God bless. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.